0: So, let's just get into this. Okay. So, the other other week, um, Dave Latham came, didn't he? And he spoke about this wardrobe. Who remembers Dave Latham coming to speak? Yes, we remember Dave. We like Dave. Mr. Personality. He's lovely. And um, he loves us. We love him. And we keep telling each other we love each other. And that, that always helps in relationships, you know kind of a bit of back and forth with that. But he spoke about this wardrobe, didn't he? And he spoke about the wardrobe that really has got clothing in it that the Lord's given us. And the enemy wants to kind of go in the wardrobe and rob some stuff out the wardrobe and then also get other types of clothing and put those in the wardrobe and say that they are who we are. So I'm kind of picking up on that. He's going to say more stuff about whatever he's going to say when he comes in September and it... Uh, But I really felt that I should sort of uh, expand, really, on a couple of things to do with this wardrobe idea and this kind of clothing, being clothed in Christ. Um, Also, I feel like today, you know, the Lord's going to do exactly what Karen said, you know, open the eyes of our heart. Now, sometimes we want the eyes of our heart opening. And sometimes we don't. We prefer the eyes of our heart to be firmly closed because there's some things we don't want to look at. (laughs) And so when we ask or we pray, you know, open the eyes of my heart, it isn't only to see him, it's also to see ourselves. You know, to see ourselves as he sees us, to see things which might need to shift or to move, to see things which might need a healing touch, so that's part of it as well. So that's the the part of the the opening the eyes of our heart and part of having the light of God shine. So uh, just before we start, I just wonder if you've have you got a mobile phone? Have you got a mobile phone? If you got a mobile phone, I just wondered if you could find find your torch on the mobile phone because I was gonna. Now, don't shine it in anybody's eyes now. <laughs> okay. I don't know where my torch is. Is it in settings? Who knows? Yeah, I'll, have, I'll just... Yeah, anyway. People will know where their torch is at. Yeah, so... Because we did have a torch, and I was just thinking about... I just think it's important just to just have a little look at you know, without blinding yourself, without sort of disintegrating your own retinas. Just... <laughs> we'll just... If it was dark in here, this would work a lot better, wouldn't it? You know, it's just not working. <laughs> oh, let's, let's dim things. Oh, right, okay. We, you, we are the champions. <laughs> so, just um, turn around and look. When everyone's waving their torch, just have a little look around. Okay, we are, we are these lights in the darkness, aren't we? And actually, this, this light here, I just want you to embrace that light. And say, yeah, Lord, you know, make it a prayer as you see this light. You know, I I don't want any dark corners. I don't want any dark corners in my life. I want you, Lord, to shine your light. I want you to, you know, we did pray it really, but let's pray it again, you know. Shine your light, Lord, into my heart. Because your light is the light of life. And you want to bring life into these dark places. So we just bless you, Lord, and thank you for your light. And it says, doesn't it, in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, so we can have the light back on now, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, don't, don't use up your battery. <laughs> Too much. So if we'll read um, Galatians 3, 27. I'm just going to read it in a couple of versions. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And all of you who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like new clothes For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. I like the good news one, actually. You were baptized into union with Christ. Now you are clothed, so to speak, with the life of Christ Himself. And the message version your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. And the Passion Translation, faith immersed you in the Messiah Christ and now you are clothed with his life. So my prayer is let the life of Christ cover you as clothing, let Christ live freely through you great, isn't it, when you kind of really meditate on those verses, on the, those verses there. So we read as well the story of Lazarus, and Mark touched on the story of Lazarus when he, do you remember when Mark walked in with all the chains round him, and he was speaking about how we can be chained up now quite often we don't really walk around thinking that we are chained up sometimes it's only when the light gets shone onto something specifically or particularly might we identify that's the thing because because what if you knew and if i knew that at times i'm walking around with great big heavy chains on i might do something about it but actually what happens is (coughs) things find like little comfortable spots or we get into certain ways of being where we accommodate things and it's not like <coughs> excuse me it's not like it's like a massive sin to accommodate it it's just that's that's human nature it's kind of just what we do we kind of we don't know what it's like to be somebody else do we we only know what it's like to be us so we need somebody on the outside to come and shine a light on and sometimes that somebody on the outside is god himself and, and mainly it is as we come to him, but sometimes the, somebody on the outside is somebody who's close to you. Sometimes it's, you know, Mike for me, or me for him. Sometimes it's your best friend, you know. Sometimes it's actually your enemy. <laughs> Can shine some light. But do we want the life of Christ? Yeah. We do, we do. So John 11 um, is the story of um, the raising of of Lazarus. So I'm just going to read a little bit of the story. Um, When Jesus saw her weeping, Lazarus' sister, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and some versions talk about his like a groaning, moaning sound that he was making. Oh, you can't act it out, can you? But where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not hear you open the eyes of the blind man, I've kept this man from dying. Jesus once more. Deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So, I was listening to um, a girl speaking, a young woman speaking, called Hannah Graham. And she was speaking about how the clothing of God speaks of his work in our lives, his character, his ways, his purposes, his love. And through worship and warfare, we continue in that sanctifying process of being clothed. And taking off the grave clothes It's a process That the enemy would like us to wear, and the grave clothes, would, he would want them to shape us. And as we spotted there in the story, you know, Lazarus was extremely restricted <laughs> as he came out of the grave. He didn't actually remove those grave clothes himself, did he? Jesus said, Remove the grave clothes and loose him, release him, remove those grave clothes. Now, I don't want to kind of read too much into like us never re- being removing our own grave clothes. You know, we do. We do remove our own grave clothes. But it's, it's a very important aspect of the whole process that this happens in community. This happens in family, in spiritual family. This happens in body. And I'll pick up a little bit on that later. So, the enemy wants us to be to be shaped and restricted in a way that deprives us of life. And it's interesting, we were singing, it's your breath in my lungs. You know, whose breath came and filled Lazarus' lungs? It was his breath. His breath came and filled Lazarus' lungs. So then Lazarus then, once he took his first breath, and once his heart started beating, he could then breathe. couldn't see for himself. So, we're going to have a little look at some of the grave clothes that we might be encumbered by. So, we know that we've been washed, and through our sins, though our sins were like scarlet, they're now white as snow, that we are clothed in robes of righteousness. So, it's not just about the transition from, and we've done quite a lot on this, is why I'm not kind of going to get into it, so... We've done a lot about being baptized and, you know, dying and then being raised to life and that we are now alive in Christ and we have eternal life. So I'm not just talking about our salvation, you know. So yes, I'm taking that as a given, (laughs) that salvation is a given here. And so these grave clothes are um, part of the sanctifying process of where we kind of are removing things that are encumbering us. So we've, we're talking. We've been talking about barriers to understanding, and by understanding, I mean experiencing and knowing freedom and fullness in Christ. You know, and, and what things get in the way of that fullness. And we, like I said already, we know we've covered some things, but we're going to look at a few, a few others as well. it's important to see here what, what Jesus' attitude to people's freedom is. And uh, there's so many verses where it speaks about Jesus' compassion when he comes to the crowds. Because I think, you know, when Jesus comes to the crowds, he doesn't really see a crowd. He sees everybody in the crowd. You know, when we see a crowd, we see a crowd, don't we? We can't see everybody, but he does. Just imagine, he knows every heart, doesn't he? He knows every heart. Um, so in Matthew, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And then it, it goes on, so that's Matthew 9, and it goes on in Matthew 10 then to say, he then goes on and gives authority to drive out evil spirits. And to heal every disease and sickness, he gives that authority to his disciples. And then we know he then goes on and gives it to, um, to everybody then, if you like. You know, there's like a, a cascade effect. You know, you kind of think, well, he didn't give it to me because I wasn't there. Well, no, he gave it to the disciples first. Then he gave it to the 72. And then it went further and wider amongst the body. So we also are given that authority. Because just as you held up your little light, that's exactly what you are. Because he is preaching the good news of the kingdom. And the good news of the kingdom is the kingdom is a kingdom of life. It's not a kingdom of death. So the things which drag people down, the things which bring death into people's lives, crushing of dreams, crushing of, crushing of selves, those are the things that he overturns, aren't they? And those are the things that he's overtu- he wants to overturn in us. Yeah? So that we are those walking testimonies, those walking living beings, we're not zombies. You know? We don't want to be zombies. But it has to be a reality of your experience, otherwise, it's a pretense, isn't it? And we don't want to live a pretended life. We don't want to pretend something. We don't want to believe something that we don't experience. We want to believe and experience. And that's what He wants for us. So he comes with his compassion and I was reading in one commentary it spoke really of also his anger when he comes to Lazarus. Not his anger with Lazarus but what do we think he could possibly have been angry with? Well he was angry with death <laughs> because he is life. And I, it's like, I feel like, you know, I'm sort of stating the obvious, but it kind of helps me sometimes to state the obvious. <laughs> it's the death is this complete antithesis. If you want to speak of what, what is antichrist, it's death. You know, it's not necessarily somebody, some bod going around with 666 stamped on the forehead, you know. It's death. It's anything to do with destruction of, and death, really. And Jesus is angry with death. Because he loves his friends as well. He loves his friend. He's angry with death, and that fierce passion to rid people of death is, is written right through him. You know that angry warrior, it, and that's what he wants us to be angry in the same way about that. But because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Of wickedness, isn't it? And so that anger, he wants us to be angry about that stuff. <laughs> you know, angry about that stuff, not angry at, at us, because I think that's what happens. Things get inverted when we see things not working out, us not being what we want to be, or those sorts of things. Our, our anger can become inverted to, to ourselves. But we need to redirect that anger. We need to redirect that anger because it's not, because God doesn't. Direct it on to us. <laughs> it's an it's an interesting one theologically, you know, because you know the whole wrath of God thing. But it's his anger principally is his anger with the enemy, and his anger with what the enemy does, his anger with what the enemy tries to achieve, his anger with how things have become corrupted. Yeah, that's where his anger is. But he loves us. <laughs> he loves us. So he comes and he's, he's, really, he's moved in spirit with his anger and he calls Lazarus out. And it's a kind of, you know, a foretaste, isn't it, of this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen to me. You know, we, we know the story. So, we um, actually in Ephesians four. Mike, can you read that bit that you read out to me this morning from Ephesians four about the fivefold and about the fullness thing, please? Oh, it's okay. do <laughs> yeah you read it this morning um it's okay, sorry about that uh where he gave some to no where he gave some to be apostles, some to be yeah you yeah. So fullness of life, abundance of life, is totally wrapped up in the fullness of Christ. Totally wrapped up in the fullness of Christ. And it's a it's a, it's a growth process because it says that we it goes on to talk about growth. You know, instead speaking the truth in love, which is um, there's another sermon on how that verse has been misused. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him. Yeah, so it's about this growing up process, growing into him. Expressing the fullness of his character, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we need one another in this process. So we rub up against each other, shows up things that need sorting out, Yeah but we're also the instruments of healing for one another. That's why over and over and over again, it talks about make every effort, make every effort, make every effort, more than one time in different different verses, make every effort to live at peace with one another. It's really important. And actually, the person who gets damaged most if we don't live at peace is often ourselves, actually. So let's look at some areas for freedom. I'm going to look at some areas for, of healing, and I'm also <coughs> going, to, going to look at some areas of deliverance. Because we have an enemy at work who would oppress us, who would make the most of negative things, and who would try to gain a foothold in our lives, would try to build a little bit of a stronghold in us, an area which then we kind of don't go there, an area which sometimes we're we're, uh, suffering under the consequence of it, and we might not even recognize it, which is why we need the light of God. So some things might become quite entrenched, but you're not possessed but we can be demonized. And that's an oppression which the Lord would want to release us from. So let's look at healing, and then we'll look at um, deliverance briefly. So I'm going to say, as, as I read some of these things, as I share some of these things, if you were there with an open heart, you might find some areas being prodded or poked, or uncovered, or just disturbed slightly. <laughs> you might find yourself going, mm, you yeah, can see me in that, yes, you know, and that's good, and that's good. But what I would say is, don't then just walk away and ignore that prompting. Just go home and make a note of it, first of all, and then come to the Lord with it. But I, I will read one or two prayers today. As well, um, but yeah. So don't just neglect it. It's been if the Lord has shone His light on something, pay attention to it. Because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, isn't it? For freedom. So thinking about having healed hearts and minds. One of the main areas, and it's not something, this is not going to be rocket science. You're, not, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I know all about this. But that's why it keeps coming up, so that's why we have to keep dealing with it. So the, one of the main areas which actually keeps us imprisoned and keeps us somewhere is is unforgiveness. That is the, one of the main areas. So f- unforgiveness really is P- position of kind of indebtedness we're making somebody else um, indebted you know or whatever we're indebted out I'm not, not sure what my grandma's doing there but the person owes us something <laughs> basically the person owes us something now you're not usually going around not forgiving somebody because nothing's happened you know like I've not got a massive issue with Michael here you know, at all, or anybody here. But he's, he's not done anything to kind of rattle my cage at all. But sometimes things happen, don't they, and people hurt us. And sometimes they do it on purpose, and sometimes they do it accidentally, but they still do it. But, and different personalities do respond differently. Some personality types find it quite hard to let go of something once it's happened and it can it is it's not just that you're like a more evil than anybody else if you find it hard to let go of certain things some people are actually more wired like that like mike is i'm more wired where i don't forget you know i'm more wired that way and mike's more wired where he's not bothered and i'm like how oh, can he be not bothered how, how can he be like you are? What is it? What is your secret? <laughs> he's wild, you know, I'm just Mike. And, and some of it might be that, you know, he prays more or he does you know, I don't think it is. But it is, like it's just, <laughs> I think it's just, it's just how he's wired, you know, he's, he's wired differently. So, you know, don't beat yourself up about this. Just like acknowledge it, yeah, if, if you are more wired this way. But then again, it's not an excuse either. You can't go, well, I'm just wired this way. Well, no, well, that's okay. Well, will acknowledge it. But then let's do something about it, you know. Um, so it might be that we feel we're owed an apology. You know, if they say sorry, then that will make it better. And I'll be able to forgive them then. Because they should say sorry, because what they did wasn't right, was it? Or maybe they need to owe me an explanation because they've done something or behaved in a particular way and that's not suited me for whatever reason and I need them to explain themselves to me. Or it might be that they owe me some respect and they've not really given it to me. Or it might be that they owe me some love and they've not been loving enough to me. There could be any number of things. Those are just off the top of my head examples. But with unforgiveness, what we're doing really is we're handing over the power to somebody else to be the person who fixes it, because it's up to their behavior. If they behave right, that'll fix it. Well, that's not right, is it, that they should have that power? Because I mean, if it all happened, like, in the space of, like, one day something happened, they said sorry, and it was all over, well, yeah, that's fine. no Unforgiveness doesn't creep in. But usually there's some kind of gap. And actually what happens in the gap is our unforgiveness gets a bit entrenched. And it gets a bit dug in. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be dismissive either of sometimes really bad things happen. <laughs> yeah? So it's not that oh, you should just easily be able to do it. Nobody said it was easy. I'm not saying it's easy. And sometimes we need help to do this, to go through a process. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, I just need to pray the forgiveness prayer and then that's all sorted. You know, Sometimes it's a process sometimes. But what it is is it's not something that we can just ignore is what I'm saying. So even if, if you've been prodded with this one, and, and it. And it's not nice because usually if you prodded with this one, whatever it was that caused you to feel the needs, you know, the whole unforgiveness thing, whatever's caused it, that's going to come up. (laughs) You know, you can't can't ignore it. So you have to revisit it. That's what happens. So I just want to pray, you know, Lord Jesus, that you would just guard our hearts today, that you would just wrap us with your love, Lord. Wrap us in your love, Lord, that you're here, Lord, your presence is here, your love is here for us, that you are tender towards us, Lord. I just want to pray for your healing presence to be here with us. So as we touch on some of these things, we're not just throwing them up into the ether, you know, we're coming before your throne. We're coming into your living room. We're coming to sit on your lap, Lord. We're coming to share our hearts with you, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would come in your power and your gentleness, Lord, to help us to face things that we've rather kept keep in the dark sometimes. But, Lord, what you're saying is, no, I want you free. I want you free. So these pictures sometimes we have of unforgiveness are, you know, of handcuffs, that really, unforgiveness binds us to somebody else, like handcuffs us to them, handcuffs us to the event. You know, we could be waiting for them to acknowledge they're wrong. And it's like, until they acknowledge they're wrong, I can't be free. Whereas you, you can be free. But the key to your freedom is to forgive them. Now, There's a lot of misunderstanding about what forgiveness actually is. Forgiveness is not the same thing as saying something that happened didn't really happen or something wasn't as bad as all that and they're being let off. Nobody's let off anything unless the Lord says you're let off. Because who is it who is the judge and jury, really? Who is the judge? It's the Lord, isn't it? So like when everybody came with their stones, wanting to stone the woman, that was the law that said she should be stoned. That was where, you know, clearly not what we would agree with, but that was the law that she should have been stoned, and he, Jesus, let her off in a way. But he, he didn't. He said, go and sin no more and all this sort of stuff, and so she moved into a, something with the Lord there but that all that whatever he does with the other person that's what he's doing with the other person what our responsibility is not for what he's doing with the other person our responsibility is for what he's doing with you and me so we have to do our part so when it talks about you know the parable of the unforgiving servant you know, we don't want to be the unforgiving servant do we we want to be the one who sees how much we've been forgiven and steps into the forgiveness. So handcuffs is one pi- picture. And the other one is, especially when we get kind of angry and it kind of gets connected with bitterness, that you know it's like a, it's like a gall, isn't it? It's like a poison that um, poisons us. So we don't want to be poisoned either. And unforgiveness places limitations on us. I mean, I don't want a show of hands here, but has anybody ever gone down a different supermarket aisle because they saw somebody that they find difficult? Somebody from the past? Somebody from an incident? Somebody who was connected to something that you weren't sure you wanted to face or you could face? I'm not saying every single time it's unforgiveness, but oftentimes there's a connection with unforgiveness. I mean, sometimes it might just be, I don't want an awkward conversation. But sometimes it might be that there's a connection to unforgiveness. So I think a kind of, I think most people probably wouldn't know if there's people that they need to forgive. But if you're not sure, if you imagine that person, you know, showing up in your life or showing up in some circumstance, then sometimes your response to that, your inner response, might give you an indication of something that might need dealing with, yeah. And it's very closely related to um, to bitter root judgments, so where we become quite judgmental of other people. And like I said, that bitterness is um, is is kind of really affects us and and usually actually you can often you can often see bitterness in people's lives you can often see bitterness on people's faces um not necessarily all the time but sometimes it just sometimes you kind of get like a flash of bitterness in someone's expression now often you know unforgiveness and and bitterness and all that sort of thing they often they're they're coming often from hurts aren't they they're coming from where where people have been hurt so where you've been hurt and I think we need to know that that tenderness of God is there for the healing of your hurt, of your woundedness, of your, where your soul's been damaged, where something's pierced and gone to the core of you, said something about who you are that's not true, usually. And the Lord is here today to heal those hurts. But he says also, your part is forgiveness. My part is healing your hurt and setting you free. But whilst you hold on to unforgiveness, you're keeping yourself tied to it. Yeah? And there's a a few other things here, but I felt like the forgiveness thing, the unforgiveness thing, (coughs) is probably one of the biggest ones. (coughs) I've got a couple of others here, but I'll... Uh, leave them out; <laughs> otherwise, you'll be like on the floor. Leave me alone, God! There's so too many things. <laughs> it's not quite like that, but but that one's a that was a biggie, and I will do um, I will do some praying in a minute about that. Okay, so let's just put that one on hold. <laughs> oh, you're all right. Good. Um, another one is inner vows. Now. I'm choosing this one because I think this one's applicable. Um, now, it's quite short, this one. It's not as long as the forgiveness one. That was quite long, so these are a little bit shorter. Um, but inner vows is where we um, we make declarations either over ourselves or kind of promises or, um, well, well, vows, what it says, really. <laughs> and um, they're usually things like, um, you know, I will never or I'm never going to whatever, you know, And I'm not going to fill in the rest of the sentence, you know. Um, But what we do when we make kind of like all or I will always, you know, so they're always or never statements often. Um, When we make those statements, we tie ourselves to that promise, spiritually speaking, because there's the power of life and death in our words. So... It depends what those things are. You know, obviously you can say things which are, you know, beneficial. (laughs) But I'm not talking about saying things which are uh, are beneficial. I'm talking about um, making a sort of inner determination, which is actually quite, which is a negative one, really. And it's almost like a promise that we're making. And as we're speaking it out, it has an impact and we get tied to it so I think if if any of that makes any sense to you and you know that you've done that, you know, I think you kind of need to we need to come to a place of repentance of that because often what we're doing is we're tying ourselves to something which is not necessarily true, you know because often I think we can make those sort of statements when we're afraid of something, so we kind of try and try and gain control by saying "I'll never do this I'll never." allow this thing or I'll never you'll never see me on the cop (laughs) obviously it's a silly one but you know whatever the statement is that you make you know you're kind of tying yourself to that aren't you so uh, that's quite a short one but um, I'm just going to move on because you'll know if you've done that sort of thing and then, But sort of linked with it is this one, and this is the last one in terms of um, healing ones. So it's like it's ungodly beliefs. So ungodly beliefs is not the same as unbelief. Yeah, It's not the same as doubt or anything like that. It's, it's believing things which are just not true. <laughs> um, but they can create strongholds in our minds, and they, they tie us in. And they can be things that we kind of chew over or meditate on, so anything that's a godly belief, which we want to be, have, and we do have, um, agree with Jesus' word, his nature, his character, anything that agrees with him that we believe, you know, that's great. That's like, thumbs up, guys, to that one. Godly beliefs, we want those. But ungodly beliefs block us from walking in fullness. They're limitations. Um, so we might say things like, you know, God doesn't answer my prayers, you know, and you might believe that, you know, or, you know, he answers other people's prayers but he doesn't answer mine. Or, um, or we might make even um, declarations over our own lives, you know, my life was a mistake or big things, you know, I should never have been born, some people think those thoughts. But they are things that you start... It might start off as a something that you just say in a moment, but it can become entrenched in your thinking because it might be something that you kind of go back to and restate it and go back to it and restate it. So whatever it is, it then becomes part of your belief system, what you're believing about God or what you're believing about yourself, what you're believing. And clearly it's not... Healthy, (laughs) not a healthy belief. And it's, you know, it's rooted in our negative experiences, it's rooted in disappointments and hurts, and fears, you know, are all linked in with that as well. But I think it's just something that if you identify it, that you um, make a note of it. So, an ungodly belief does need repentance. So, I'm just going to go back to 1 John. I can find it. Where's 1 John? It's towards the end. Here we go. Um, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all unrighteousness. So, that's what he kind of, that's what, not what he kind of, that's what he wants to do now. So, I'm going to pray um, a prayer about the unforgiveness thing and you don't have to pray it. Well, maybe you should all pray it out loud because what I don't want to do is I don't want anyone to feel kind of, you know, like the spotlight's on you type of thing. Excuse me whilst I just find it. so if you want to close your eyes that would be good and if you've got a person that you feel you need to forgive then we're going to bring that person before the Lord if it's more than one person then you can just like you know corral them together in your mind (laughs) if you don't feel ready to Forgive them. That's your choice. To, But what I would say is, if you're not, not wanting to do that now, that you would take it back to your prayer closet, if you like, and do it, work it out with God, yeah? So, I choose to forgive. And then name the person. And I want you to think about what it is you're forgiving them for doing. So what specifically did they do? So I choose to forgive this person for whatever it is. And I ask that, Lord, you forgive me for judging him or her and for the bitterness I have held in my heart Lord, I repent now for the judgments I made. So what did you think about them? I renounce the bitter roots that I've planted as a result of my judgments in Jesus' name. I break the power of judgments and the power to hold this root in place to harm myself and others. In Jesus' name, I break the power of all bitter root expectancies and release myself from them. I place the cross of Jesus between me and the consequences of this judgment. And Lord, I bring the old practices and patterns to death now by the power of your cross. And I declare an end to the law of sowing and reaping attached to these judgments in Jesus' name. Amen. And then... I just want us to um, pray this. Well, it's not really, this isn't really a a prayer. This is almost like you're speaking to the person, okay? So I choose to forgive you for what you have done. So could you repeat that? I choose to forgive you for what you have done and what you have left undone and what you have left undone for what is unsaid and the consequences For what is unsaid and the consequences I choose to fully forgive you for the pain, hurt and loss it has caused me I choose to fully forgive you for the pain, hurt and loss it has caused me I don't want to become trapped in negative reactions I don't want to become trapped in negative reactions or feelings like bitterness, anger, rage, and fear, or feelings like bitterness, anger, rage, fear. I reject hatred, murderous thoughts, gossip, or slander. I reject hatred, murderous thoughts, gossip, or slander, avoiding you, monitoring you, or any unreal expectations avoiding you, monitoring you, or any unreal expectations. So, Lord, we bring before you these um, vulnerable feelings and pray for you to continue this process with us, that we would move more and more into freedom as we release ourselves from being connected to any unforgiveness. Amen. What time is it, please? So, um, I'm not going to go on to some of the other things. um, But what I will say is that if you want to have further prayer, then, you know, ask please, or ask a friend, or ask someone. And sometimes as well, it might be that there might be some other kind of processes you might need to go through as well. So there are um, lots of inner healing ministries and I mean specifically inner healing ministries not 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 specifically speaking about talking therapies or those sorts of things I'm talking about um, ministry times so for example there's you know uh, sozo which is from Bethel um, there are other uh, freedom type of uh, ministries um, and then there are things that you know, we've been trained in, different ones of us have been trained in as well. So uh, it will be good to move, move into that. So um, I think it's going to be really important for us to move into a time of worship now. And uh, at another point, I will speak about um, being set free, being delivered and stuff like that, because it's not such a big deal You know, I think people make it into a big deal and it's not a big deal, actually. It's just part of the healing process, really. It's just shifting something. It's something that feels like it's got some kind of authority in your life doesn't. And so we just shift it out the way and just open you up to uh, more of the Spirit of God. So as we kind of move into our worship time now, just allow the Lord to minister into that area that he's been working on there. And if anything that I said kind of poked something just bring that to the Lord now as well and just we just um, receive more and more of his spirit so I just want to pray as um, the girls kind of get themselves ready for um, this worship now. So Lord we just want to exalt your name now we just want to declare Lord that you are the name above every name and that at your name every knee must bow and Lord we do bow our knee to you Lord and we we recognize that you know, sometimes these areas that we've struggled in, um, we, we, we realize that we need them dealing with. But we thank you for your huge compassion and love for us, Lord, that your anger isn't ever directed at us in that way, but it's always directed at the enemy and where he might have held us captive. And so, Lord, we say we want no more part of grave clothes. We want no more part of that, but we want to put on Christ. And so, Lord, as we exalt you, Now, um, just move and have your way.